How many know it's impossible to express your gratitude with a closed mouth? But if anybody does anything for you, the least you can do is say thank you. I want to know if there's anybody in the house on tonight that just wants to lift up a thank you, Jesus. Come on, when you look back over your life and you think about what God has done just this year alone, your hands ought to go to clapping, your hands ought to go a-waving, your mouth, your tongue ought to go a-wagging. Come on and open up your mouth and lift up a hallelujah in the house. Come on, only the grateful people, only the, the folk that got a reason and a right to give God glory. Open up your mouth and shout hallelujah. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Come on and grab your neighbor by the hand as you rest on your feet. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. God, we're grateful tonight. God, if we had a thousand tongues, it wouldn't be enough to say thank you. Oh, God, you, you've been good to us beyond our expectation and certainly beyond our deserving. God, we're just grateful to be here on tonight. Because the truth of the matter is not that it could have been, but it should have been the other way. God, we're not here because we've been so good, but we're here simply because you've been so God. And for that, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for keeping us when we didn't even want to be kept. Oh, God, thank you for keeping us beyond any goodness or righteousness of our own. Now, God, we squeeze our neighbor's hand. Because somebody needs to know on tonight that even though you came with a bowed down head, he's still a mighty good God. Somebody needs to know on tonight that the same God that did it for me is the same God that's working in your midst on tonight. So we squeeze our neighbor's hand because somebody needs hope. Somebody needs encouragement. Somebody needs to run on just a little while longer. Somebody's heart is broken. Somebody's heart is aching. And God, we thank you for how you're going to move in this place on tonight. Hide me now behind this sacred desk. Cover me under the drippings of your blood, oh God, that I might not make a name for myself, but that your name would be made famous in all the earth. Now, God, we've come tonight because somebody needs to hear from heaven. Somebody needs a rhema word, so do what you do best. Breathe on us on tonight, God, because we know that if you breathe, God, things have to change. We know that if you breathe on tonight, broken things have to come back together. God, we know that if you breathe, God, we'll leave this place and we'll never be the same. And it's in Jesus' name, every heart and mind. Come on, loose those hands and go for yourself and let the Lord know that you're grateful on tonight. Oh, God, I said only if you've come in the place of expectation. You're looking for God to do something wonderful. You're looking for God to do something marvelous. Come on and bless the Lord, oh, my soul. While you're thanking God for Jesus as you rest on your feet, amen. Can you just help me salute your pastor, my brother, amen. Come on and make some noise. Come on, let us thank God for the Reverend Dr. Charles E. Goodman, Jr. Come on, just give him the very best honor. The Bible says honor those for whom honor is worthy, and certainly we 
celebrate your esteemed pastor and prophet, your man of God on tonight. You love him and the nation loves him. Amen. We just celebrate who he is in God, innovative thinker, amen, change agent. He's a civic leader, so much more than just a pastor. Amen. And how many know God shows his love for us by who God puts to lead us? Amen. God loves you, Tabernacle. Amen. We celebrate him. I'm grateful for the invitation. Amen. Come on, grab your Bible on tonight. Uh, turn with me to the Old Testament book of Ruth. If you have your word, if you have your sword, would you go ahead and grab it on tonight? And turn with me to the book of Ruth, the first chapter of the book of Ruth on tonight. Amen. If you're standing by someone that does not have their word, would you be kind enough, Christian enough, to share it with them? Ruth, amen. Chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, the word of God reads as such. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Before taking your seat, I would that you would look at your neighbor on your left or right and smile. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> Been a long day for some of us, amen. Go on and smile at them and say, neighbor. Oh, my dear neighbor. It's time to journey back to Judah. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our Lord and our God. It's time to journey back to Judah. There were three women who went down the road, and down the road went she. The woman she saw, the woman she was, and the woman she wanted to be. There were three men who went down the road, and down the road went he. The man he saw, the man he was, and the man he wanted to be. Is who you are right now the person you desire to be? This powerful and profound poem that was penned by John Macefield articulates and elucidates the lived reality and the quiet frustration with which many people are sitting on tonight. That church, if we were to conduct an honest audit and evaluation, many of us would have to confess that as we sit here tonight, we sit here with some surplus in our lives. We, we, we sit here with a margin of space, if you will, between who we are and who it is that we desire to be. That, that when you survey the circumference of your life in totality, and this year in particular, many of us would have to concede some closeted concerns that where you are in life right now is not where it is you want to be. 
the reality is that there are persons under the sound of my voice who sit silently in the sanctuary nursing personal frustrations because you thought that life would have yielded greater opportunity than what it is that you're experiencing right now. Come on. You, you, you thought that certainly at this age and at this stage in your life, you thought that you would have experienced more fulfilling and fruitful relationships. You, you thought that by now you would have had a deeper dimension of spiritual growth and formation. You thought that certainly at this point in your journey, you would have had promotion in your place of employment. And I want to commend every brave believer that's real and responsible enough to admit, if not to me, then admit to yourself that where I am right now really is isn't where I thought I would be. The powerful but prophetic truth that I came to declare in your hearing on tonight is that becoming is always a function of behaving. And so, church, if you're not where it is you want to be, the pivotal question on tonight is what are you doing about it? Yeah, th this isn't a word for your haters. This, this isn't a word for your accusers. This is not about folk trying to keep you down and folk trying to keep their foot on your neck but this is a word about you becoming a better you about you accepting and assuming responsibility for your own life about you owning your own bad decisions about you owning your own happiness your own mistakes and your own future because how many know having a revival on the calendar without having revival in your heart will always result in the same old you. And what I want to suggest early in this preachment on tonight is that if you ever hope to have congruency between where you are and where it is you desire to be, then how many know you're going to have to make some better choices? You, you ain't got to say amen. I got some Bible to back it up because the book of Deuteronomy corroborates my claim right there in the book of Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, the 19th verse, we read where God says that I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Therefore, choose life. Why? So that both you and your seed may live. In other words, your life will be different whenever it is you decide to choose different. Because what I've discovered, Tabernacle, is that the quality of life is always quarantined by the quality of our choices. And if you want to experience a brand new reality beyond your current disappointment and frustrations, then you're going to have to fix and fasten and focus your faith in one singular direction and choose this day whether you want to live or whether or not you want to die. Naomi chose life.
Bible says that at the time we enter our text that Naomi is forced and faced with making a destiny decision. Do, 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 she says to herself, she has to decide, church, do I want to remain tethered to my tears in a place called Moab or do I want to chart a brand new course for my life and journey back to Judah? You know the story the Bible says that Naomi and her husband Elimelech left the place of Bethlehem with their two sons, Malon and Killian. Why? Because there was a famine in the land. And in search of food and relief from the famine, they decided to settle in a place called Moab. Let the church shout Moab. The Bible says that it wasn't long after being there that we're told that her husband suddenly dies. Tragedies are commonplace, and how many know they often come unannounced and uninvited? And in just three verses, Naomi goes from being a wandering wife to being a wandering widow. Did you know that your life can turn absolutely upside down on a dime? I said that life, y'all, can be unpredictable, and her whole life was turned in just three verses. One phone call can wreck your total reality. One call from the doctor can shake you from center to circumference because life has a way of happening to all of us. And the Bible says that life happened to Naomi. First, her husband dies, and the Bible says that her sons went on to marry Moabite women. When tragedy strikes again, y'all, and she loses both her sons in rapid succession. Now all that remains is Naomi and her two daughters-in-laws whose names are what? Ruth and Orpah. And it's at the point in which we enter our text on tonight that Naomi had decided that it was time for her to move out of Moab. Time to transition from this season of trials and trauma and drama. And can I tell you that that's the simple but prophetic message that I came to proclaim on tonight that as we sit atop this revival season God sent me to give somebody a word that you've been in this place long enough and it is time for you to move out of Moab. This is not a suggestion. This is not a recommendation but this is a divine mandate because it's critical to your destiny. It it's essential to your survival because God says, I'm ready to do something that's absolutely supernatural and unprecedented in your life. And you cannot go into the next season of your life with a Moab mentality. Mo Mo Moab, y'all, is the place of sunkenness. Moab is the place of sullenness. Moab is the place of sadness. Understand that Moab is a metaphor for misery. It, it's not just a geographical location, but Moab is an existential location. I said that Moab, y'all, is a spirit. Moab is an attitude. Moab is a belief system. Moab is a culture and a construct for your destructive behavior. And God says, I've got to move you out of Moab. 
Moab because Moab has already moved inside of you. The residue of the Moab experience has dulled and diluted your discernment. Moab has already moved inside of you because look at you now you're bitter and you're becoming cynical and you're becoming jaded. The resentment is now reflected in your face. The stench and the scent of the Moab experience is starting to permeate and pollute your personality and it's starting to contaminate your conversation. In fact, can I just lean in on tonight? I know we just met, but can I lean in as a trusted friend and tell you what folk who love you don't have enough courage to tell you? And we're tired of hearing all about your Moab experience. I mean, every time we go to the Cheesecake Factory after the worship experience, here you come telling tales of woe about what had happened while it is you were in Moab. We've got to hear countless accounts of everything that went wrong and how bad it went wrong. And listen, we're not trying to minimize your pain. We're not trying to minimize the ordeal or the trauma. But what everybody at the table is thinking, but nobody has the courage to say is that, okay, we know what happened, but what we want to know is what happens next. And so Naomi said, I'll tell you what happens next. I'm about to move out of Moab. I feel like preaching now. She says, I've got to move. I've got to move because Moab represents the place of my brokenness. Moab, yes, is where my heart was broken. Moab is where my dreams were shattered. Moab is where I lost my courage. It's where I almost lost my faith. It's almost where I lost everything that I held dear. And she says, I've got to move out of here because I refuse to let this one episode define the entire story of my life. That's why the writer of Ecclesiastes said, there's a time and a season for everything under the sun. And I hear the Spirit saying to somebody on tonight that you can no longer allow your pain to confiscate your purpose. You, you can't stay there, sequestered in a season of suffering, lamenting your losses, but you've got to have enough spiritual agility and enough acuity of faith to discern, oh God, when it's time to move on. Would you tap your neighbor to your left or right and say, neighbor, is it time for you to move on? Who am I preaching to in this place? I came to tell somebody that God's grace to heal you is greater than whatever it is that hurt you. And you can no longer confine your life to small places that no longer fit the God-sized dream that God has for your life. Throw your head back and say, I'm ready to move. And I'm ready to journey back to Judah. Can I give you a couple things and then we gonna roll out because beloved understand that the Bible says that when Naomi heard in the country of Moab 
that the Lord had visited his people. Uh, she says that the Lord visited his people, how? By giving them bread. And the Bible says that when Naomi heard that, she arose with her two daughters-in-law and she went forth from that place. In other words, y'all, she moved in the direction of her future instead of waiting for her future to find her preach. I said she moved because how many know that faith always takes initiative? And can I tell you that that's the first step if you're going to move out of Moab and journey back to Judah? You've got to take the walk of faith. Would you tap your neighbor and say, you've got to take the walk. You've got to take the walk of faith. The Bible says that she was in Moab, but listen, somehow she heard about what God was doing, y'all, over yonder in Israel. In other words, hear me. God got her good news in a bad place. I think I said something right there. I said God got her good news. While it is, she's still matriculating in a bad place. And can I tell you that that's the power of faith? Because faith, what? Comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That's why words, y'all, are so life-giving. You've got to be very judicious and how it is you steward your words because words minister to our wounds. I said words have the power to paint pictures on the canvases of our imagination and from our imagination springs forth a vision, yes. And that vision pushes us in pursuit of our destiny. So God stirs up her faith by sending her good news in a bad place. I said God text messages her a promise while she's in the place of her pain. And can I tell you what the message said? The message said start walking because I'm over here working. Somebody missed their shout. I came to tell somebody on tonight that there are those who are waiting for God to come to you. But God says I want to know if you got enough faith to move to where I'm already working. I came to preach on tonight to some folk who can still believe God for miracles while you're in the midst of your Moab circumstance. I said she's here, but God gives her a vision about what's happening somewhere else. And can I tell you on tonight that one of the ways you know that God, oh God, is about to shift your life. One of the ways you know that God is about to transition you from your trauma to your triumph is that God never talks to you about where you are right now but God gives vision for where God is about to take you. Can I tell you that's the power of vision because vision will place a demand on your faith and that faith will place a demand on your feet and the Bible, the Bible says that the moment she gets word that God is working, the Bible says she starts walking because how many know sometimes baby that's all I really need to launch me into a brand new trajectory for my life sometimes that's all I need to dislodge me from my place of apathy and to take me into my destiny all I need is just one word and can I tell 
you that's why you should never mute your prayer life while you're in Moab because just one word can change your forever you don't need nobody to lay hands on you you don't need nobody to smear oil on your forehead baby all you need is a word for thy word is a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto thy path she starts walking towards Judah why because ain't nothing going on over there in Moab she leaves Moab because God's moving in Israel so she decided you know what I might as well come in agreement with where the spirit is already flowing because how many know ain't no sense and you sitting there mad in Moab with your arms folded feeling some kind of way waiting on God to work and die in dry places but if you had any sanctified sense how many know you get up from there pick up your pride and your pocketbook flush your frustrations, release your resentment, and start walking to where the anointing is already flowing. That's who I came for on tonight. Would you give your neighbor a high five and say, neighbor, I'm going to where the anointing is flowing. I'm going to where healing is happening. I'm going to where miracles are manifested because where the spirit of the Lord is, throw your black head back and say, get in the flow. We've got to move it. She, 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 she says, I, I got to go to where God, oh God, where the Spirit of God is moving. There is no evidence that the Spirit is moving in this place. So I've got to go where God is manifesting provision. I, got, I love you, but I got to go where God is putting some things in action. I got to get under the flow of the Spirit of God. First of all, she says, if I'm going to journey back to Judah, First of all, I got to take a walk of faith. Tell somebody, take a walk of faith. Second thing she says is that if I'm going to journey back to Judah, and I'm glad you already shouted. She says, if I'm going to journey back to Judah, then I've also got to take the pilgrimage of my pain. Bible says, hear me, she starts walking. And listen, y'all, it's interesting because the text is silent as to the length of time that it took for her to make it back home. I said the text never says how long the journey takes. Can I tell you I like that? <laughs> I like that, y'all, because what that says is that there is no preset or prescribed time for your healing to be complete. Preach. See, I, I know somebody came to the revival on tonight, and, and you were looking for the preacher to tell you that today is your day. <laughs> That all you got to do is high five, turn around three times, jump and shout, and all of a sudden, you're going to be saved, healed, and delivered. But can I tell you that it would be ministerial malpractice for me to tell you that the journey back to Judah happens overnight? 
No, beloved, it doesn't happen overnight because sometimes in taking the journey back to Judah, you also have to take the pilgrimage through your pain. Please, 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 please don't rush and run down the road of recovery. But you ought to pause long enough. I said you ought to honor the woundedness of your soul long enough to take stock of the process of everything it is that you just went through. I said it's going to take time. And so because it's going to take time, you've got to go on a pilgrimage. Tap somebody and say, go on a pilgrimage. I said, it's going to take time for you to rebound from the rejection. It's going to take time for the scars to heal from the scandal. It's going to take time for you to find the courage to step out from the shadow of shame. It's going to take time for you to find equilibrium again and learn how to to trust the ground that's under your feet when the foundation of your world has just been shaken. And sometimes as believers, just like in the game of sports, when you've been hurt, how many know you just got to walk it off? Any sports players in the house, you know that sometimes there's a difference between being injured and being hurt. And sometimes when you're being hurt, that's not the time for for you to sit out the game. But how many know you just got to walk it off? Would you tap somebody and say walk it off? I'm trying to get somebody in this place to understand that oftentimes the journey back to Judah puts us on a pilgrimage of our pain. And that pilgrimage stands before us as a long road of reflection. That pilgrimage stands before us as an opportunity to do evaluation and examination of the Moab experience. Because come on and tell the truth on tonight. The reality is you're not in Moab because of what somebody did to you. But could it be you're in Moab because of some choices that you made? See, we don't like to talk about our part. We just want to point to what somebody else did. But can I tell you that you can't get to Judah if you don't want to take the pilgrimage and walk bare feet through the shards of your shattered dreams because what the pilgrimage does is it forces us y'all to walk through the weeds of our wounds. It forces us to kick rocks about our bad decisions. It forces us to traverse the rough terrain of unanswered questions. The pilgrimage of pain brings us to a crossroads in life where eventually you have to face yourself and what you've got to accept about yourself is you know what? It just didn't work. The Bible says that Naomi had to grieve the fact that though she planned to stay in Moab, guess what y'all? It just didn't work. That though she hoped and though she prayed, how many know the plan just didn't work out? And I can't help but wonder on tonight how many of us would be a whole lot further down the road 
healed, towards our healing, towards our recovery, if we would just accept and acknowledge the fact that despite our best and our highest and our consecrated efforts, it just didn't work. I stopped by to tell you that maybe your freedom is found in your confession that though you tried your level best, would you look at somebody and say, I don't know, but it just didn't work. This is not a word for your neighbor. This isn't a word for somebody at home, but how many know this is a moment of reckoning between you and your own soul? Would you come on and touch your cell phone tonight and say, you know what? I tried it. I invested in it. I cried for it. I labored for it. I gave it the best years of my life. I gave it the very best that I had. But at the end of the day, I got to accept and admit that you know what? It just didn't work. The relationship didn't work. The ministry didn't work. The business plan didn't work. Everything that Naomi held dear died in Moab. And God says that the only way you can enter into the promise and the possibility of your future is that you've got to leave what has already left you. I think I said something right through there. Would you look at your neighbor and say if you're going to leave Moab and journey back to Judah, you've got to leave what's already left you. Can I help somebody get free on tonight because maybe just maybe you don't need faith to start something new but maybe you need faith to stop something old you need faith to stop beating yourself up you need faith to stop living with the guilt you need faith to stop living with the regret you need faith to stop trying to find life in a situation that has no pulse. Would you look at somebody and say you don't need faith for a new beginning but God says you need faith for a brand new ending. I'm in my seat but the Bible, the Bible says that she's journeying down the road y'all and the way she makes it is because she has some ride or die relationships. The Bible says that she's rolling now with Ruth and Naomi and the Bible says that as the sisters are walking. The book says that they're crying and they're walking. They're walking and they're crying. And the reason they're crying, sis, is because they have not yet reconciled their right now moment with their not yet future. And the Bible says, I'm about to go home, that as it is that Naomi is going down the street, she turns to her two daughters-in-law and she says, you can go back if you want to. And the Bible says that Oprah says deuces. All right, I'm out. Can I tell you that doesn't mean that she was wrong? That just means she was not ready. Some of us need to stop pulling people into places that they're just not ready for. And the Bible says that as Naomi journeys back to Judah, Ruth says, I'm going to stay. Now, don't you miss 
the subtle but significant truth that's evident in this text because after this point Oprah is never mentioned in scripture ever again that when we see her turning her back what we see is Oprah moving off the biblical stage I said we never hear her name mentioned in scripture ever again and maybe the story of your life would go a different way if you would stop trying to pull people back on center stage when God has already said that it's time for you to turn the page you got to stop giving folk a starring role when God says I've already written them out of your story I gotta get out of here but the Bible says that Oprah goes back and we never see her again in other words this is representative of a season of sifting and God told me to tell somebody tonight that when you go back to Judah that you're not gonna be able to take everything you had in the last season with you but some stuff and some people are gonna have to fall away that God's gonna extract and God's gonna exercise everything that's not necessary for you to go to your next level everything that's not requisite for you to go to the next place everything that's not facilitating your purpose in God everything that's diluting the destiny he has in mind would you give your neighbor a big high five and say but what you need is a ride or die what you need is somebody that'll go with you when you're not flossing when you're not on top but they'll say I'll go with you even though you're on the bottom because I believe that the best is yet to come the Bible says that sometimes God can work in our life to some folk are out of our life I just need about 48 believers to give God praise and say bye-bye see you later it was good while it lasted but I gotta go I gotta go I gotta go back to Judah I got a journey back to praise I gotta get out of here but what shouts me about this little bitty book is that even though it's not long on text it's long on theology because this book is powerful because this book is pedestrian what do you mean reverend that the book is pedestrian well when you look at it you don't see where the book is saturated with the supernatural you don't read in this book where God performs miracles you don't read in this book where there are acts of divine intervention you don't read in this book where there are miracles and angelic visitation ain't no manna ain't no burning bushes ain't no seeds pardon but when you read this book it's a book about ordinary people 
with the strength to overcome extraordinary circumstances. And I came to tell you that that's how God disciples our faith in times of crisis. God says, you don't always need the supernatural, but what you need is supernatural faith. Am I right about it? Can I get a witness? Naomi is waiting for God to send a miracle. And God says, I'm not going to send you what you're looking for. Why, God, did you not send Naomi a miracle? Because God says, I already sent a miracle. And the fact that you were able to survive is evidence that God is a miracle working wonder in my life. Am I right about it? I just need about 58 survivors in the house to tap the altar and say, I survived. I survived. I survived the disease. I devised death. I survived divorce. I survived. I survived. And are we yet still alive to see each other's face? I got her. I got her. I got her. I got to get out of here. But the Bible says that Naomi reached for Ruth. And reaching for Ruth was a reminder that while you lost a whole lot of stuff, you did not lose everything. Ruth is for Ruth is a reminder that God is not finished with you yet. I'm in my seat, but would you do me a favor? Would you help me close the sermon? Find yourself, find yourself a roof. Find yourself a Rufus, because the Bible said they went back to Judah together. I think they missed it, but I need you to find somebody and say we're going back to praise together. You've been sad long enough. You've been depressed long enough. You've been sick long enough. And it's time to take off the garment of heaven and put on the garment of praise. Say it. Say it. May your weeping turn to laughing. May your mourning turn to dancing. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Somebody, anybody, everybody, find your roof and say, Roof, we going back together. I'm not going to leave you. But we're going back to a time to rejoice. We're going back to a time of celebration. We're going back to the glory of the Lord. 
let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord. What did he do? He put clapping in my hands. He put a shout in my throat. He put a hallelujah in my heart. Say it, say it, say it. I'm done, Pastor, but can I just offer this in closing? I wish I had the strength to preach it like I feel it. She goes back. Hear me. She does not go back as the same woman. She's no longer a mother in that sense. She's no longer a wife. And some of us, our hearts have fainted in the place of Moab because we cannot fathom who it is God is calling us to be beyond this season. But maybe this season was the season that God used to extrapolate another you out of you. And maybe this is the season of your comeback. We often forget that she returned to Bethlehem. She, she, she's going back. And I believe that in this season, this is the year for the comeback for so many of us. I'm done. When you go back, can I invite you to tell the whole truth? Can I, can I invite you, when you go back, to give the real testimony? Naomi gives the real testimony. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Lord Almighty has dealt harshly with me. I left this place full, and the Lord brings me back empty. If I were preaching that point, I would say, well, after everything you've been through, you ought to give God glory that he brought you back at all because of everything you survived. But tell the whole truth. She says, 
that while I was out there, I felt like God was doing something to me. So many of us go back to the place that God returns us to. And we go back with a sanitized testimony about how brave we were when we were out there. About how much we conquered while we were out there. And how we had faith to overcome while we were out there. No. Tell the truth. I'm ready to quit on God. Somebody in the balcony. I, I was ready. Why? Because the almighty El Shaddai. El Shaddai. He has the power. But then I wanted to inform the prerogative of how he used his power. I know he had the power. But he allowed it to happen anyway. And when you go back to Judah, the reason you got to tell the whole truth it's because your return to Judah is not just about you. There is a generation of people yet to be birthed in the earth whose faith is attached to your perseverance and your testimony. I'm glad she journeyed back to Judah, but you can't get to the point of praise if you are not willing to examine the pilgrimage of your pain. You have to look at what happened. Why did it happen? How did it happen? How can I move to a place of remembering that in spite of it happening, I'm done. God has given me faith to keep on reaching for my Ruth. Ruth is a reminder of a redemptive future. That there's more in store and hope is still on the horizon. If you're in this place tonight and you purpose to move out of Moab and move into the place of journey into Judah, can you just give God praise? I'm done. Come on, hug three people and say it's time for you to journey back. It's it's time for you. We got to go. We can't stay here. We can't die here. We can't, we can't keep crying here. We, we got to keep moving. We got to keep serving. We got to keep praying. We got to keep tithing. We got to keep rejoicing. We got to keep praising. Open your mouth and give him glory. As we stand all over the building, I believe tonight that tonight is a serious moment. What a word. I think is an honest word. I would ask you, first of all, grab someone's hand. I want to pray with you. We're going to pray for our preacher tonight. I love what you said, Dr. Bombay. Many times you can't move forward until you're honest about where you are. And uh, I'll be honest, sometimes we're not real honest, not just with others, but a lot of times we're not even honest with ourselves. Sometimes I think that we honestly uh, don't admit that the hurt hurt. Um, Moab is a painful place, and it happened. And as a pastor, I've had to learn that sometimes you need to spend time making sure.
that I've navigated the reality of Moab because if I don't deal with how I truly feel in Moab, then Judah really is an empty space for me. Moab happened, the pain happened, the loss happened. The, and in order for me to move forward, I have to be honest about how intense that Moab experience was. And as your head is bowed tonight, I want to pray for you because I do believe the best is yet to come. I do believe that God can move you from where you are to where he wants you to be. But I also know that I have to be honest about the new reality of life that I have to deal with. Because her journeying back, there were some things and some people she was not going to ever be connected to again. And it's painful and it hurts. And I need to validate someone's tears tonight. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be in that pain. It's okay to have moments that you wake up and you're like, you know what? Today's not going to be a good day. I need to give you permission tonight to know that every day is another step towards Judah. But as the preacher said, it's a pilgrimage. And don't feel like someone has to pressure you to hurry up and get over something. I wish I had a witness tonight. I'm giving you permission tonight to take as long as you need to. Because there's nothing worse than not being healed from Moab and still bleeding in Judah. It's not a race to get to Judah. The race is not given to the swift nor to the strong, but those persevere with God. Tonight, we thank you, Father, as we come. What an amazing word we've heard. And God, we admit tonight that we've had some periods of pain. Moab has been hurtful. It's been a place of loss. A place of hurt. A disappointment. A place of frustration place of intense scrutiny and many of us didn't even think we would get out of Moab we lost loved ones dreams died in Moab doubt crept up in Moab it was the most intense painful place we've ever experienced and so God we believe by faith the word tonight that we can move forward but we want you to know God that we are opening ourselves up to be healed how you want to heal us tonight. I pray, God, that you give someone the strength on the journey of restoration. It's not a race. Don't make them feel like they have to be in a race or competition with someone else to get over it. God, in your perfect timing and in your will. So tonight, we know that Judah is our destination. But we also recognize tonight that there's a process of healing that has to take place. So tonight, if tonight's the first day, we're going to take that first step, first moment, first opportunity to realize God, do the work on the inside of us so that we can better be better not just for ourselves but also for you. So Lord, I thank you because you always connect us with people that help us. So I'm squeezing my neighbor's hand tonight to let them know they have a prayer partner in me. I'm squeezing my neighbor's hand tonight because I want them to know that I am touching the throne of grace on their behalf. 
I'm squeezing my neighbor's hand tonight to let them know we serve a God that wipes every tear from my eyes. I'm squeezing that hand tonight to remind them that the best is still yet to come. Lord, we lift up our preacher tonight. We thank you for her. We pray now that you would strengthen her voice and her body. We thank you again that you have allowed her to come our way. So everything that she stands in need of, give it to her now. This is our prayer tonight. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Come on, release those hands and give God your absolute best praise tonight. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Let's give God your absolute best praise tonight. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Let's give God your absolute best praise tonight. Hallelujah. While we're standing on our feet, we want to extend the invitation if there's one tonight. We do not just have revival just so that we can have an incredible experience, but it is simply so that we can once again reach the world for Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight as we all stand and you do not know Jesus for yourself, please come and make that way down. It would be our absolute pleasure tonight to see you be connected to Christ, be connected to his church. If you're here tonight, we want you to come. Even if you're viewing us, view our live stream, you too can make that connection. Please reach out to us. We want to know uh, that God is able and we serve us a capable and efficient Savior. If you're here tonight and do not know Jesus for yourself, that's the clarion call tonight. Do me a favor. I know you're tired of talking to someone beside you, but you sat next to him, so it really is your fault. Talk to him and say, neighbor, I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you. I will. I want you to be a part of this family. I want you to be in the house of God. Come on, talk to him. Smile at him. Tell him I'm excited that you're here, but I want you to know I will do it. Is there one tonight? Is there one man, woman, boy, or girl who needs to make that decision? We would absolutely love to have this opportunity to say that with you and to do that with you. Well, come on. We're all saved in the house. We're all in the place tonight. Hallelujah. Were y'all blessed tonight? Come on. Don't fool me tonight. Were y'all blessed tonight? Come on. Let's give God an absolute praise tonight. Let's thank God for Pastor Shalita Fombe who blessed us tonight. And yes, tomorrow night, same bad time, same bad channel. We want to see you in the house. Listen, guys, we want you to help us be a blessing to our community. Can y'all help us bring those back to school supplies tomorrow? Can y'all do that? Amen. Can y'all, I mean, don't just, don't, don't pity pat me. That's it. Y'all like, yeah, okay, Pastor. We're going to, no, seriously, we have a goal that we want to reach. And I believe that we can go above that goal. I want to do more than 500. I want to see a whole lot of people come out. I know that there's a whole lot of back-to-school stuff happening in the city, and we're always supporting those, but it's important that we just support ours. So can y'all do that tomorrow? Can you bombard this place? Bring as much supplies as you can. And so we want to be a blessing to that. Same time tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, is going to be incredible. I promise you. You won't be. How many are you going to invite somebody tomorrow? How many are you going to invite somebody tomorrow? Say, okay, y'all, see, y'all being real stingy because y'all like... Pass if I invite somebody, I may not have a seat. Don't think that way. Don't you think that way. Come on. Don't you think that way. Come on, let's give it up for our multimedia team. They did some incredible stuff for us tonight. Praise and worship. Shauna, Dominique, thank you so much. We got a great preacher tomorrow night. I done already told the secret, so come out. She's one of God's absolute best preachers. Reverend Dr. Gina Stewart is back in the building. You know that she is somebody's preacher all the way from Memphis, Tennessee. We also have a special guest artist tomorrow. Come on out. I promise you, you are going to be blessed. Do me a favor. Lift those hands up here. Let me say, because I've been blessed, I'm going to be a blessing. Hug somebody and tell them, I see you tomorrow night. See you tomorrow night. Tell them, I see you tomorrow night. See you tomorrow night. Go in peace and may the God of peace go with you as well. Turning